All right. Hey, my name is Noah Elias, and welcome to another episode of Creating a Life by Design podcast. And uh, this is an awesome show that allows me to be able to sit down with extraordinary individuals that can help uh, share strategies to help you live more on purpose. And I want to first say thanks to everybody that has been watching the show and listening to every episode, commenting, please give us a rate. And um, if you'd love to share this with somebody else, but that really helps support us and keeps it going strong. So thank you so much for your support for that. Today, I have a special guest, my daughter, Griffin. Griffin, welcome. Hello. And uh, I'm excited because uh, Griffin and I have been talking about this episode for quite some time. And uh, we were in the car and we just started thinking about, hey, what are some of the things that we could share that we've learned? Multiple topics. So this might be multiple episodes that we can unpack together and be like, hey, what is it that we've learned in our whole journey of our family, whether it be faith, whether it be parenting, whether it be work ethic, whether it be um, best days, all these different topics of what we live out and live as a family. Uh, but I'm just so excited because I'm, I'm pumped for our viewers to get to know who you are, um, how much you already know, what it's like us working together. You know, there's so much that we're going to learn today. So first of all, thanks for doing this grip. I'm stoked and glad that we get to do this. This is a dream. Yeah. That's nice. Not just setting it up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So grip plays a big part in, um, actually running this show and I'm super grateful for her, um, her investment. Why don't you tell, tell them a little bit about what you're studying, what you're actually doing at school. Cause I think that plays a big part into kind of how you're wired. Yeah. Um, it's weird because I feel like so many people already like know who I am and mm -hmm. I have, I don't know who a lot of people are. So, um, I'm currently a film student at Viola university where I'm studying, uh, directing. So yeah. I want to be a film director, um, one day and yeah, it's so fun. Liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so fun. I love doing it. Well, I'm not just saying it because you're my daughter, but you're you're doing a great job. You're crushing it. Your quality is unbelievable. Um, you have a great eye. I saw that early on, and it's awesome to fan that flame to just see you flourish in that gifting. It's incredible to watch. I'm really proud of you. Um, we want to kind of dive right into today because I think one of the big ones that we can look back on when, when you were growing up um, – how important, you know, there's like this whole catchy saying that's been going around for years about work-life balance and having the balance between the two. And growing up with me as an entrepreneur, it can be really easy to, um, you know, for a father like me thinking that he was the provider back in the early days. I'm like, oh, I got to make this happen. I got to build all this. But there was because of TMP, the master's program and the mentorship that I went through with Bobo and, um, and what I learned there, one of the big parts was investing in your kids, not spending time with your kids, not just wasting time with your kids, but investing. And one of them was best days, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to start out there, like us kind of unpacking what best days has meant to you. What have you learned from them? And just kind of like, you know, it's been a long time. We've been doing it for over a decade, these these exercises of the best day, maybe describe to our viewers what that means and why it's so important. Um, yeah. So best days essentially are like, we, we, you also sometimes would call them like yes days or something like that, but like, um, or like we would call them like dad and Griff days. And essentially it was kind of like, you kind of like, just kind of ask your kids, like, what do you like, essentially like, what do you want to do? Like, then there's not really a limit on it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because we've even done like days where it's like okay i just want to like go to disneyland back when we had passes um yeah or like hey i like i would like to maybe like go to vegas to go see a show and like see friends that we have out there Mm -hmm. um or just like even going to lunch like which is like pretty much what it's like lately but um yeah it just really early on showed that you as my dad because like even like when i was a kid like i had a lot of respect for you because you were one of the busiest people that i knew and also because you were self-made like i realized that like really early on yeah um so it was just like oh like my dad like is with as busy as he is he's like carving out entire days just to like spend quality time with me Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of even like tr- like transferred over to like people I have in like my life. I'm like, hey, if my dad's busy, he needs to carve out a whole day. Like, I, that's how I'm like, people like quality people. I'm like show effort to put into me because yeah. my dad put an effort with me. Yeah. So like you set the bar like very very high. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was just kind of having that quality time of like, hey, we're not going to go see a movie because that's not really quality time. But it was like how can we talk and you even were like you would ask me questions and i would be like really annoyed as a kid because i'm like i just want to have fun um but just like how do you think everything's going like with the family like is there anything that we can improve on is there anything i can improve on as like a dad and i'm like oh you're fine um but yeah it was just like showing the quality like effort and like quality like intentionality of it all Mm -hmm. um like that really like even spoke out to me like as a kid yeah so and like how important that was yeah so yeah definitely no it's good talk to talk a little bit about what you would tell parents um that that like you're you're looking back on your childhood you're now like launching you're in you're mm -hmm. in launch mode right talk a little bit about to parents why that matters and makes such a difference you know it goes fast childhood goes quick yeah you know i mean well it just kind of showed that you were like actively investing in a relationship with me because i know like a lot of kids who or like a lot of people that i've met like their parents are just like they think they're present but they're not um like i one time in high school was like yeah like my dad and we all have like dinners together all together like all the time or we have breakfast together every morning and they were like oh yeah like they were like they were like really um yeah my family hasn't eaten together in like weeks so it was just like oh my gosh like i didn't even realize some people were like that so it just kind of made me really lucky feel really lucky but it's even like carried on now as an adult i'm kind of like reversing it in a sense of like now i'm getting busy how can i you spend making sure i spend like time and like with you invest in a relationship with you even if it's just like a quick lunch right yeah i think there's a there's a um there's a there's two things respect and trust are, mm-hmm. are two big factors. You and I had this conversation the other day when we were like walking and um, you said something that was pretty amazing that really stuck with me was just this I whole idea. Of of, yeah. <laughs> but it was like something that had to do with the whole idea of, and I, I remember we used to go toe to toe a lot. It was really, really difficult. You went through a really hard season. Anxiety was a gnarly part of it. And like that was a big part of it. But I remember we were having conversations about like, if you want, like we use this saying, if you want to be treated like an adult and we kind of spoke this over the whole household, um, we need to act like one. And so how do we earn each other's respect? And I would say at this point in my life with you, it's like, I've never respected you more than right now. Like, but dude, this took time for us to get to that point. How do we 
how do we get to a point where the kid respects the parent so much and I respect you so much that I don't want to screw any of that up? Like it, it just, everything matters, right? And so can you speak to that at all as to like? I don't know. That's the thing because I'm, I knew as a kid because even like learning like what your story was and like how you've like gone from like point A to like current point B, like that's, I like had a massive respect for you since I was a kid. Um, and like the honesty, like about that and just kind of seeing the benefit or like the byproducts of like your growth. But, um, yeah, that I was even like wondering because the way you guys raised me at least, mm -hmm. um, like, I don't think I turned out bad. Um, yeah. but I like my, ther I was talking with my therapist the other day and she's like, you're one of the most emotionally intelligent people you're for your age I've ever met. And I was like, well, yeah, my parents raised me that way. But I'm like, obviously, like, respect comes with emotional intelligence, I feel like. So, like, that makes me even wonder, how did you guys even raise emotionally intelligent children? Mm, well, yeah, I had great help from Elise, great friend, um, who helped teach me about it. But I was in therapy for 20, I mean, I started in therapy when I was your age. Mm -hmm. And so I was always wanting to learn because I just felt like I came out of our family of origin, I felt like I came out in a deficit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I got to import this. I'm not going to go get it at school. But I don't think this is really something that you can, I don't think you can just go get emotional intelligence at school. Like emotional intelligence comes from a tremendous amount of experience, but also a tremendous amount of learning and not through, um, it's like failure, right? But it comes with only with time and actually learning forward. And so um, if it wasn't for my mentors, if it wasn't for Bobo, if it wasn't for Dave Carter, if it wasn't for um, just a handful of guys that were my surrogate fathers that showed me what was possible. But I just knew that I didn't, I wasn't born with it. Um, my family of origin definitely gave me, hey, you know, um, a work ethic, an incredible um, honor, older folks, um, you know, be Christ fearing, God number one, wisdom, 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 get as much wisdom as you possibly can. And there is a lot of emotional intelligence that comes with being in scripture at a young age. But if it wasn't for mentors, I wouldn't have gained the emotional intelligence. But I think it's because where I really started to lean in the moment I knew, like, when you started turning six, seven, eight, I'm like, now you're becoming a person. You're not just like, oh, there's this kid. Now you're like taking on a character, your personality. Well, everybody says I was really old for my age, like even mm -hmm. like as a toddler. So, well, I think it's because your environment too. Yeah. Because you were doing, we had you doing, I remember the saying, one of Noah's teachers that just said, don't ever do for a child what they can do for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you put on your pants. I'm not going to help you put on your pants. No, you go do that. Yeah. I don't need to do it. So it's a, and I remember it used to drive you guys absolutely nuts, but it also showed you. I think you just started to pick up on those things and you are a product of your environment and um, the trust and the respect, I just think really started to happen older age because then you start to realize like, dude, how much things cost and money. Like it's gnarly, right? The economy's rough. Huh? The economy's rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like even like talking about like the environment, like you raised us around like a lot of adults, especially. So that's mm. how I was like, Okay, yeah, I was raised around adults, so obviously I learned to respect adults. But I noticed that when I was thinking about it, you never introduced adults to us as Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. You always introduced us to um, adults, like, by their first name. Yeah. So I remember even being, like, itty-bitty and calling these, like, 
potentially like influential people like by their first name as a yeah. kid but it was just i don't know like the whole like treat someone like an adult you get acted like an adult back yeah. so i felt like that from like a really early age because of the way you raised us and the way you kind of like had it like the dynamics you made us have with like other adults mm. so i didn't notice that like a little while ago yeah what do you what do you think has been some of the keys um you know with <clears throat> you know you went through a really turbulent season of met or like having to reconcile with anxiety and like just and that's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do is to watch you go through that because it's it's hands off. I can only be there for support in your corner. And I, that's the best way to describe it is you're in the ring and you're duking it out and you're going through all this stuff and we're in your corner. I'm like, dude, I can't step in. I cannot fight this for you, this fight for you. You've got to go through it. But God did a really amazing thing in and through all that, that you, I'm so grateful as hard as it was, but you came out of the other end of that what do you what advice do you have for parents that are you know really really having a struggle with their kids with whether it be devices the world culture anxiety depression you know uh, pressure from friends any of that stuff like what would you encourage parents on that that's a lot of different answers and questions it is um also for context i right after my 20th birthday got diagnosed with anxiety because i had like gnarly panic attacks and anxiety attacks like multiple times a day so that's just some context for yeah those who don't know um so i mean the way i mean you guys were supportive like in the best way you could be mm. um and so like it sometimes took like some like asking of questions of like how i could like can i support you um but like it like in my specific instance it was like you guys were nurturing but it wasn't like i was being coddled like you were totally like and like that's why i kind of feel like we got like close again because i feel like we did go through like a little bit of a weird period um but just kind of like talking me through it of like okay like we kind of like expected this to happen like at this point because like you're like me a lot um so it was just kind of like coaching me through that from your like own personal experiences on how you deal with everything. Mm. Um, especially when I was very hesitant to go on medication. Um, but then also like talking through like, okay, this is why I'm hesitant to go on medication, but you were still like supportive of like my choices regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, so that definitely helps because I did feel a lot of guilt for going on medication because of like yeah. reasons, um, involving you. So. Yeah, that definitely helped a lot, but also like the whole not being coddled thing because you like if I was like crying or having like an episode or something, you guys would be like physically present for me. Yeah, but you didn't coddle me because then it's like okay, you, like you need to like drive yourself to school. Like now we're not like letting you like this beat you essentially because you like you need to go to school. Like you have to go to college and stuff like that. Um, even like because I had to drive sometimes with like ice packs under my legs or like holding an ice pack on my neck, like driving down the five freeway um but yeah like that just appreciate i like appreciated that even though i hated it in the time being because then it, it could show that like no i can actually like you you said this off like all the time it's like don't let it over like don't let it beat you or something like that um so just kind of, that definitely helps like you own it it doesn't yes. own you exactly so just kind of like working through like that processing, like kind of getting over like the initial bad hump. Cause like I still like have it, 
but um it's a lot more manageable now because i know that it's like okay this doesn't control me because mm-hmm. i'm a big control freak like you are so the fact that i'm like dude i can't even control like my own body right now so the fact that i was like okay no actually totally yeah. any strategies that you could share as to your your go-to protocols on even though it exists you have a way to uh overcome it work with it remember that day that i said embrace it as your best friend because it's the best thing that's ever happened to you and rather than trying to there's something wrong with me get it away talk a little bit about kind of some of your strategies that you've used like if something's coming up like how do i deal sure with it, or, or like, like or how you've dealt with it and, and overcome in the past where you're like man that was a win like yeah i got through it wasn't easy but i i i didn't die i got through it right yeah i mean therapy helps um definitely recommend that um but also like if i feel it coming on or like the way that i would sometimes deal with it it'd be like okay can i listen to music if that doesn't work um i noticed especially if like i was getting ready for school and i was starting to feel anything come on i would watch like netflix um comedy specials just so i could have something to like kind of take me out of it and also feel like other people are in the room mm. um i had like a an apollo bracelet which is like a special like what, like how it's a neuro yeah like neuro something bracelet yeah. that sometimes helps. like neurotherapy sure um so there would be that or like just like even having family friends that also have anxiety just like talk on the phone with me before something totally like i was going out with a friend of mine and i really wanted to go out with this person but i was like having a rough morning and i was already maxed out on my medications which i only like take as a last resort um and i was on the phone with one of our family friends for like an hour before like leading up to it and like basically i like hung up when i walked out the door to go hang out with this person Mm -hmm. so just having like that kind of support system and just people who like also have it yep. so that also kind of just know mm. um and then yeah like i struggled making like my school my home for a lot the longest time but then finding a spot where it's like okay like this is like my spot if i need to like, go to that so it's just like kind of working through like going down the docket of like um like fail safe backup plans i don't know yeah like uh like plan a plan b plan c and just knowing that you've got kind of go-to strategies like a dashboard okay i've got this next one i've got this and that provides some security too yeah but um i think one of the big ones is community um and what i love is like you don't just have us as parents you have incredible you have an incredible sphere of influence Mm -hmm. of a circle of amazing amazing friends yeah that aren't just our friends they're your friends and there's a big part of that when it's not just your parent that's helping you navigate these things right talk about that well i mean first person that comes to mind uh your really good friend franco viscovi who's Mm a well-known tattoo artist um he's been like an uncle to me like my entire life and he's like this super cool like tough looking dude kind of like me um (laughs) but um like come to find out like oh no he's had like really bad anxiety like all, most of his life as well or like coming like around mm-hmm. the same time i got mine yeah. so when he like kind of was like no like i'm again i'm not surprised this is happening to you at this specific time in your life and totally. i was like oh and he kind of like talked me through like what he usually did like he's given me like a good book to read and all this other stuff and like checking in on me mm-hmm. um whenever i see him so definitely doing that kind of it's like okay so like because I was worried this would impact like my success in the future or just like the ability to like do a job. Because especially as a film director, like you're always on, like people kind of look to you, you set right. the standard for like the entire day. Um, so it, like 
like seeing it from you and seeing it from Franco and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, so I know that you know like all these successful people can have like anxiety and like mental health um, problems or right. stuff like that, but it's like, oh, you, you can actually be successful but also be like really anxious sometimes yeah. and like yeah. learn how to like navigate that. Yeah. Well, and it's the creativity has a price of admission. And when you're a creative person, you can actualize things and imagine things. And I always share with the people that I help teach and, and mentor is that that's a wonderful weapon. Just don't use it against yourself. Mm -hmm. And we can like, like, you know, for some people, it's getting on a plane. Other people, it's just driving out of the driveway. Other people, it's like, you know, overly stimulated on the freeway. You name it. But when we're using that weapon against ourselves, where we get ourselves like all up in a, like in our head, and it's literally all in our head where we can get so overwhelmed, it'll immobilize us. And it's like mm -hmm. creativity is meant to go out and to, and to project outwardly and to go and to step up and into. Um, into risk and newness around the corner, what's around, you know, uncertainty, uncharted territory. That's the good place to go put it. But the moment we start to go inward on like, well, what could happen? And then you start playing word case scenario and then like you get yourself tied in a knot. No, I'm right? a big overthinker. Like, totally. So that's like, but it's like, happen. but that's a gift. It's mm -hmm. just pointed at the right target. Yeah. Right. And so a big a part of that is that cognitive restructuring of saying, is this the truth? No, that's a lie. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to buy in it. What is the truth? Reminding yourself of that. That's probably my number one protocol with any time there was anxiety or whatever is to stop and go, okay, th this music's coming from somewhere. Is this music coming from the world, the flesh, the enemy, the devil? Or is it coming from like myself that's kicking my own butt? Like I don't need mm -hmm. bullies out in the world. I got myself. Yeah. And so that was a lot of the work that I had done. And he wrote a book about it was like, how do I dismantle that false self and that, that self-hate, self-sabotage, self, just self, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And so I think you've done a wonderful, amazing job. Mom and I are just beyond proud to see how far you've come, but also how you continue to become. And like, I just think like even this episode is going to help heal and, and give so many people permission like, oh, you're okay. It's okay to be high performer high achiever and that comes with the flip side of the coin is like that can get the best of you sometimes yeah i'm definitely my like you pointed it out one time because I, I was like i don't care what other people think or like or anything like that as far as like a project goes or something like that but it's like about what i think and you're like yeah your yourselves was credit and i'm like yeah that's really, yeah pretty much mm -hmm. yeah you're yeah and so we can be too hard on ourselves oh right? 100, yeah yeah so Talk a little bit about that as to your own go-to, what's kind of your step-by-step -step in terms of your inner dialogue and self-talk as to how you navigate not beating yourself up, not putting expectations on yourself that are unachievable or just unrealistic, while at the same time still keeping a level of excellence. Because it's a big part. Keep excellence, but don't keep excellence if it gets you miserable, right? Talk about that for a minute. Repeat the first part one yeah. more time. Like people can be striving for excellence and perfectionism so much. They absolutely sometimes will get, just get nothing because they drive themselves nuts. They become yeah. miserable in the pursuit of excellence. Well, it's kind of at the point when I start, like once I get to miserable, like I need to work on this. But once I get to miserable, that's when I'm like, okay, I probably need to pull back a little bit because I mean – you know you've heard about like the way film school has gone for like the past year like right. 
I set very high standards for myself that like my teachers are even like, this is necessary. Like a usual four person crew for a final short film. And I'm like, I'm hiring an 18 person crew. Um, but yeah, like at, uh, I'm really bad at this because I'm, I never really, I always feel guilty for resting sometimes or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I need to do better at not overworking myself for yeah. excellence, even yeah. though I'm like my standard of like, okay, bare minimum excellence is probably some people's best yeah. as far as like standards go. And I'm but like, my standards are very high. Um, so yeah, I just need to work. I like, I feel like I can't answer like, yeah. this it's like, like grace. eloquently. It's yeah. like grace on yourself. Um, and it's always a wonderful p- pursuit. You know, Baba and I always talk about it. You know, we're content, but we're never satisfied. Yeah. You know, and it's a really good way to keep pace and how, um, you know, talked about it on other episodes as well, that your rest and your recovery and, and replenishment is absolutely vital for excellent output. Yeah. Like I learned that definitely this past semester because I think in the span of like two months, I overworked myself to the point, especially with anxiety and like added stress, like I overworked myself um to the point where i was like sick so totally. that's why I, and even like at the beginning of christmas break after like doing a short film i was sick for the first part of, like for the first few days of break and i'm like okay i need to like actually not do anything for a little yeah. while and i like i've definitely learned that and i'm like i need to like do better at carrying that out in the future yeah grace self-care and pace is just as important as the output of it man is it and it's so so something that I've had to learn over 35 years that the candle that burns, you know, it's the Blade Runner, you know, when Tyrell looks at um, Leon and he goes, the candle that burns twice as bright is going to burn half as long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of us as creatives want to win the game. And God basically just pulled me off on the sidelines and he goes, dude, I want you to play this game for life, but you're not going to be able to do it playing every play and mm-hmm. every position. Like you need to learn how to go take a bath, go on walks, solitude time, time in word, time in the truth, time in spirit, time around quality relationships, time around replenishment and refueling. You can't always be output, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So you're, I think you're starting to learn what your thresholds are, which is really fun to watch. And it's yeah. leadership development, again, emotional, emotional intelligence, and a self awareness is really what it is. You know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, let's go, let's go back to, um, this whole idea of investing time, parents and kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, kind of allocating that, you know, as we kind of wrap up this episode, and we're gonna we're gonna do other episodes that are on um on other topics that we're you and I are gonna un- unpack together. Your faith journey, what work ethic looks like, stages growing up. Uh we're gonna have another episode of just fun stuff, movies and all that kind of stuff. Um uh and things that we like. But what are, what would be some of your recommendations? Let's say a parent hasn't been doing this and they're considering making this a priority of a of, of a best day concept that we learned in the master's program. How that can start to get implemented just in the smallest ways. What would you tell, you know, because we did a lot, devotions in the morning, you know, would be a great way to start without overwhelming their kid. Mm, I don't know, because it depends like so much on 
who the kid is, the, the pre-existing family dynamics. I feel like that's really difficult to answer, but I'm like, I mean, even just like small things throughout the day, even because like sometimes I like you're busy, so I wouldn't see you sometimes until like after dinner sometimes. Um, but I would see you in the morning, and even though I hated doing the devotions as a kid, you would just be like, "Oh, this is the only time I'm seeing you today, so I want to spend time with you." That's when I was like, "Okay, I'll do it," just so like you can like you can at least see each other. Yeah. Like before dinner. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like just small things throughout the day, just to kind of sh- like show that intentionality. Because like again, it doesn't need to be like a full day at Disneyland or like a trip to Vegas or something like that. Yeah. But um, just like small things throughout the day, or even just like going to grab coffee together. Yeah. Where like phones and stuff like aren't present. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that's uh, that's good. And I think one of the things that listeners should know is that best days are not. Um, Corporate, meaning it's not mm-hmm. the whole family. It's yeah. not multiple kids. It's just you and the child. It's like you and the kid. And so that's what made it special. Like when we went to Vegas, you said, Hey, I want to get a suite at the Mandalay Bay. We did. You're like, I want to go see Michael Jackson. We did. Um, we went and saw, Oh, I think that, that, yeah, one, that first time. I want to go back and do that. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. But it's, you know, why is that so special? You know, it's, I think it's, you know, I don't think any of us will say, man, I wish we would have made more films or made more businesses. I think everybody's going to look back on the highlight reel and say, like, these were, that was really living. That was, making a living for me is like what we do on those best days, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true because another reason why I'm glad you guys didn't coddle me when I was going through my rough, like, few months um, was because, like, I, like, especially at the age that I'm at, I'm like, I'm entering my twenties. I'm like, is this like the fun part of your life? Um, where you're supposed to like experience everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the whole experience, you wish you experienced more things in life. Like we experience things as a family, like in a month or a year that most people experience like in their entire lifetime. Cause we do live like an interesting life. Yes. Um, so yeah, I definitely hold experiences to be more like, special than anything else because even like again like i care about more about the lunches that we would go to versus like something else you know yeah just like i don't need like a big expensive extravagant like experience to like be special i just need it to be like intentional exactly is that amazing so that's a great one intentional over extravagant yeah that's that's that could be a title for this episode i think that's a that's an amazing amazing thing that we could put um but no, I'm 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 really grateful. Any other questions that you have for me on any of this as we wrap up this episode? Because at the end of each episode, uh, people get to ask one mm. one or more questions. But anything that relates to best days and um, well, as far as like parenting goes, yeah, like when I was like itty bitty versus like where did you think I would end up? Like just like raising me as like a kid, like where would like even like career path choices or like where did you think I would gear towards, or and like where do you think I'm gonna like end up? Yeah, the the biggest concern that I had was I realized how difficult it was for me as an entrepreneur from from age 16 to growing the business with no technology, and then technology. You were born into a technological age, mm-hmm. and I looked at. You know, mom being an entrepreneur, you know, with hair, um, being a hair colorist, owning salons, 
us living a very entrepreneurial life, working from home, um, launching multiple businesses. I looked at what you were being born into and I went, okay. And I saw where culture was heading. I'm like, this culture is going to chew her up and spit her out. And I cannot. This generation wasn't the generation of the school of hard knocks like mine. School, yeah, school of hard, <laughs> school of hard knocks was like, you're out on the street, good luck. Mm. And I literally went door to door. Hey, you want to buy art? Yeah. Hey, you, like, dude, there was no piece of paper. Here's college. There was no instant influence of like an entire group of people that said, oh no, no, we got a place for you. Like, you know, you and Noah were born into a massive network, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't. And so when I looked at what you guys came into this world and how this world was operating, I'm like going, it's never been more ruthless and, and harsh and hard. And and then if you want to do that as a creative, and then if you want to do that as an entrepreneur, there's going to be a lot more hands-off than there is hands-on. But I knew that from zero to 18, I'm responsible to raise you, but I'm not responsible for how you turn out. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest thing for me was going, Okay, I know she's going to be a leader, but the only way that she's going to be a leader is if she goes through the hardest stuff way before everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started implementing at like 9, 10, 11, 12, like going, I need to start treating her like she's 20. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> no, but it's brutal, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was brutal, but it was like, it was like, and then the same thing with Noah with his, with his, um, you know, being on the spectrum. It was like, okay, I've got two thoroughbreds in the stable, but they need to be broken first. And that's that's exactly how to describe it, right? Yeah. And I think we're reaping the benefit of that now. No, I mean, like I even am. Like I had the dean, and for those who don't know, Viola's film school is, I think, I can't remember if it was the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, but it's one of the top film schools like in the nation. And I'm having the deans. like Yeah, watch your mic. Thank you. There you go. I'm having like the deans of said film school. Like I'm going out to lunch with one of them, or I'm having both of them on my set, and they're very impressed with me. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to stay humble, but um, like well, it's I, and wor- every- your work ethic and it speaks for itself. Well, yeah, because of well, like even my professors, they're like you're, you have an, ins- they're all like you have an insane work ethic. You're, and even some of people that I don't even know, like on campus, they're they know who I am because of my work ethic. And everybody yeah. asks like, why are you such a hard worker? And I'm like. I was broken at a young age. Yeah. I was raised by my dad. Why do you think I'm like this? Yeah. 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 But yeah. But there's a, there's you're you're doing a really good job of navigating really tough seasons and um I think the the anxiety is one of your greatest assets because I t- I tell people all the time it's kind of a funny joke. I say, "Hey, anxiety and insecurity is kind of like zits. They keep you humble. They keep you humble, man." And it's for me um I just think parents and, you know, if I was to say anything to parents would be, like you said, I think it's magic, Griff. Intentionality trumps extravagance. Mm -hmm. And if I think every kid would want to just have undivided, full focused attention, all hands on deck. Yeah. With their father. And they're not going to get, and I think they will try to fill that void with anything and anyone else, right? Well, sometimes like even with like, 
the mom because sometimes when like for example Noah's at work or something like that and I'm out like we just you me and mom went to the movies the other night and I was just like thinking like it would have been nice like as a kid to sometimes have like both my parents just for like myself like have best days or just like even like more meals or experiences with like the two of you alone because like if it would always be like just three people of all of us are together yeah so i wish like we kind of did more more stuff with mom as well even though i did too we did do fun stuff with mom but like you know what i mean yeah totally because i have even seen like um parents nowadays with their younger kids have like what one-on-one time with like the oldest if it's a large group of kids or like the youngest or whoever yeah just to have both of them have the one-on-one time and i was like i kind of wish we did more of that growing up but yeah no that's good and that can still take place and the cool Mm -hmm. thing is that i want listeners and viewers to also know that best days is ongoing throughout the rest of our life as everybody becomes adults yeah um you know baba did a wonderful job of still running marathons with his his daughters as they got older and had families and they still had trips and things like that so i will not be doing marathons no you won't be doing a marathon (laughs) but we'll be doing we'll be doing this till forever and that's amazing and then you know it goes to your downline so i i look at you know my family of origin didn't have a ton of what we have today Mm -hmm. and um I get it. It is what it is. But I'm like, man, what a beautiful opportunity that we have an opportunity to rewrite and script what we want that story to look like. And I think the other thing, though, too, is like when we take inventory as a family, and that'll be another episode, it's just the whole dynamic of family meetings, why that's so important, our family mission statement and how we came up with the logo and how we came up with who we are, what we do, why we do what we do. Um, and and the fact that we're so intentional, I know it drives you guys nuts, but I'm like, dude, we got to put this down on the book because we're winning. We're getting so many great wins every single day as a family. But when we stay when we stay focused on that, I'm like, we're doing it in a day what most people try to do in a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm just I'm so grateful to get that we get to do this together and that we're working together now on like projects and film projects. You've blessed me with your talent. Um, it's fun to watch. But any parting words as we wrap up this episode? We didn't talk about movies as much as I thought we would. Yeah, well, we can do that on episode. We could do movies. We didn't quote Nacho Libre. We, once. Yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll do movies. We'll do music. We'll do food. Yeah, we'll do all of our favorites. Yeah, so we'll do that in an upcoming episode. Sound good? Cool. Yeah. Love you. Thanks for being <laughs> on here, <laughs> everybody. Rip is the bomb. She's amazing. And I'm so glad glad that she was able to join us on this episode. Leave a comment down below. Love to get your thoughts on um, this episode. And also rate it. um, Give us a share. Give us a like. And thanks so much for being here. We will see you on the next episode of Creating a Life by Design. Thanks for joining us.